Umajina Trimnandasya, Jina Jina Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyena Tasmai, Sri Gurave Namaha. Good evening, everyone. We will continue tonight with our discussion of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. We're up to the 11th Anucheda. In the 10th Anucheda, we looked at an example of the revelation that one can have through the practice of bhakti under good guidance. Ultimately, that's the objective of transcendental endeavor is to actually realize God. And this Anucheta is dealing with revelations regarding the Supreme Lord and his uh, original form, Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. Jiva Goswami has already pointed out there's not much to be said about Brahman. As we know now, specifically the Satsandarvas of Jiva Goswami deal primarily with revelation about the Supreme Lord and specifically in pursuant to what was put forth in the Bhagavatam by Sutagate Goswami Vanati tat tat vavidas tat vamyas janamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjite that the supreme is recognized in different aspects according to the worshippers uh, inclination so now we're coming from having an explanation of what what is a revelation of the supreme lord and it was quite a magnificent revelation that Brahma had. And really, if we look throughout the Bhagavatam, it's a story of revelation after revelation, is it not? Different people, right? Coming into complete awareness of the Supreme Lord. So now Jiva is going to go forward and with this 11th Anucheda, discussing the characteristics of the, of the Supreme Lord, of Bhagavan, and the fact that they're inherent. So he begins this 11th Anucheda with the following. Here we, be, we begin a new section to specifically establish that the characteristics of Bhagavan are naturally inherent within his essential being and not imposed or acquired from elsewhere. First of all, Bhagavan is the supreme substantive or the supreme existent, Vastu, and is endowed with potencies, as shown in the second verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, where it is said by Vyas that the real existent is to be known from this book. That this existent has potency is stated in the two adjectives Shivada and Tapa, Trayonulana. Shiva means the supreme bliss. Shiva Das signifies that he grants this bliss to others by his internal potency. Tapa Traya means that the three miseries that arise from the external energy and Unmulana means that he uproots these miseries by this same internal potency. So Jiva Goswami is taking one 
very short section from the very second verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He's expanded upon that to make a point as to the fact that the potencies of Bhagavan are inherent in him. They're not an imposition. And again, we can see there's some reasoning for his continually pounding the post or the rod in in regards to this point that when we look to the Supreme Absolute, these potencies are part of his intrinsic nature. They're not imposed upon him as the Advaitins would like us to believe that the Supreme Brahman has no characteristics, has no outside potencies, that it's supreme, unadulterated, unqualified, which is that non-dual. But what does it mean by non-dual? Does non-dual mean that it can't have transcendent characteristics? It's a non-dual substance in that it's all one substance. There's no duality in the Supreme, but that doesn't mean that the Supreme cannot have characteristics. So he begins by looking at the first verse and explaining the first verse, and particular two words in the first verse that qualify the Supreme as having potency. The fact that the Supreme can bestow bliss and can remove miseries. The verse itself, Dharma, Projita, Katavotra, Paramo, Nimatsaranam, Satam, Vejam, Vastavam, Atra, Vastu, Shivadam, Tapa, Trayon, Mulanam. So these words are there that he's referring to. The supreme substance, Vastu, has this ability to bestow bliss, Shivadam, and to remove miseries. Tapa, Trayon, Mulanam. And that's just half of the verse. Moving from qualification, what's the qualification to recognize the supreme? Then, what is the realization? If you're qualified, what's your possibilities? We were given some entry into what the realization is like. And now Jiva turns to what are the characteristics of Bhagavan. By understanding more deeply his characteristics, his true nature, it's going to be easier to understand him in fullness, and it's a qualification for our revelation. Throughout the Bhagavatam, more and more information we're hearing, and especially when we look at the Bhagavatam through the lens of Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas, when we take advantage of his viewpoint, which is one of unlimited viewpoints, he's one great sadhu. In our context, we consider him the greatest logician of all time. No one can touch him. There are millions of devotees of the Supreme Lord similar to Jiva Goswami, who can give us their Sandarbhas and go into unlimited deep explanations, pulling all this from the Srimad Bhagavatam. A couple things to look at this word Vastu, the real objects, the essence, to understand that when we look generally at Vastu within the material realm, 
What's the difference between Vastu and Avastu? Well, a real object is Vastu. The real substance is Vastu. We can put an imposition on that real substance created by ignorance. Those impositions are referred to with three Sanskrit words, Aropa, Ajasya, and Ajaropa. And then you have the Avastu. It's not really a Vastu, but it's a existent with an imposition. And the imposition can either be an apparent imposition, or it can be an empirical imposition. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about accepting a snake for a rope. If you're not in a well-lit room, you could easily accept a rope as a snake. You have knowledge of a rope, you have knowledge of a snake. In a dark setting, you'd be cautious. could be either because your senses are not giving you complete information. Well, I'm going to err on the side of caution on this one. I will walk around instead of walking through. There's some prerequisites for any imposition. There's previous experience of both the existent and what's imposed. So we have some experience. We have some unfavorable conditions. The environment is not such that we can have a perfect perception. So therefore, we can mistake one thing for another. We can have poor eyesight, imperfect senses. So we could mistake because we can't see and it looks like it might be moving, but it's just because I have a stigmatism or something in my eye, we might accept that rope as a snake. And or a similarity between the two objects that our mind is projecting onto that vastu. So the Advaitavadis, they cite Sarvam Klavidam Brahma. All this is indeed Brahman. And therefore, their conclusion is, well, if it's all Brahman, then everything that you're thinking about the world that you're experiencing and your existence in it is simply your imposition on Brahman because everything's Brahman and it's all one. They have a hard time accepting variety. They see variety in their environment, but they cannot accept that there can be variety in a spiritual environment. That's what we would call their hang-up. If it has variety, it can't be spiritual. And there's verses, lots and lots of verses in the Vedas, where they can gain support. Tatpamasi, you are that. Well, if I am that, I know that this body isn't that because this body isn't even me. It's continually changing. It's coming and going. Throughout my life, it's changing. The body isn't me, and I am spiritual. I am that supreme Brahman. That nature of that Brahman can't be changing the way I'm changing. So I'm that, but I'm not that the way I am now. The other verse we just quoted. Sarvam Klavi Dham Brahman. It's all Brahman. Everything is Brahman. Well, that tells me it's all one. Why they can't accept that that supreme one 
can be full of variety, that's where we differ with the Advaitins. We differ with Sankaracharya. And, of course, their conclusion is simple. Just remove your ignorance, do away with your avidya, with proper knowledge, you're free. The empirical world as you know it, which is of us too, in their estimation, will simply dissipate. Just remove your ignorance like a mirage in the desert. It's gone. Has any one of them written about having that experience? They can't live to tell because they never, they, these are not Brahmavadis, these are Mayavadis. Uh, Mayavadis cannot re- attain perfection because of their offenses to the Supreme. Right. Now, Brahmavadis, yes, Brahmavadis have an experience. We read of the experience of Gopakumar, who is a Vaishnav, who is a devotee, but he also experienced Brahman. In fact, it was like a little bit difficult for him to pull himself out of that experience of oneness. So if you recall in Brihat Bhagavata Mrita, little, little difficulty. Of course, little difficulty means he was, he's a devotee and his mantra was fortification for the proper conception. But yes, we will all experience Brahman in due course. Why? Well, because that's the nature of experience, as we discussed last week. First, we see there's something on the table. For that little half moment, we don't know what it could be. And then the impressions will formulate the proper conception as to what is there. Jiva begins here in explaining what is Bhagavan by stating that the Lord's godness is not a superimposition, and he uses the Bhagavatam, quotes from the Bhagavatam, to support that. That's where we are now in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, is he is going to go through very methodically and explain to us when we think of Bhagavan Iti Sabjate, when we think of Bhagavan, this is how to look at his characteristics and how to understand his nature and how to understand the characteristics that are inherent in him. So we're going to get into some very interesting dialogue here moving forward. This is exciting stuff. Jiva's going to show us through the Bhagavatam that ultimately that non-dual being awareness Jnana Advayam is not devoid of attributes or shaktis. So as evidence, we start with this Anucheta and these terms Shivada, to bestow well-being, to bestow bliss. That's a quality of Bhagavan. It's a characteristic. He can do this to uproot material miseries. So if there was not potency... How could these things be accomplished? These have to be intrinsic in him. It can't be an imposition on him to be able to bestow well-being, auspiciousness, or to be able to uproot. So we can look to a little deeper understanding of this 
to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Saratha Darsani. That's his commentary on the Bhagavatam. His comments in relationship to the 6th canto, 16th chapter, verse 51. Vastu, substance, is of two types. Vastava, real or abiding, and avastava, unreal or non-abiding. Brahman Paramatma and Bhagavan, along with his abode and associates, are the only vastava, vastu, or abiding substance. Krishna makes a similar statement in the Bhagavad Gita. All this is real. These things are real and everything else is not to be accepted as real. Vishwanath here is saying, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, these concepts of the Supreme, along with his abode, his abode and associates is referring to that internal Shakti, Swarup Shakti, are the only Vastavavastu or abiding substance. The material world is a Vastavavastu or non abiding substance. A Vastu is also of two types Karya, having an empirical basis, and a Karya, devoid of all empirical basis. Objects seen in dreams, hallucinations, and so on are Karya having an empirical basis. It, we've had an experience of them in real life. So, dreams are based on things we've seen, hallucinations, and so on, or karya, because they have a basis in previously observed phenomena. Objects that never exist or to begin with, such as the horns of a rabbit, are called a karya. There's no basis for a rabbit with horns. We have no experience in the material realm of that. That's a, a karya. So the subject of the Srimad Bhagavatam is that abiding substance, the real existent, vastava vastu, Bhagavan, the state of his being, the complete whole, Bhagavata, cannot be imaginary or superimposed. Shivada and Tapa Trayon Mulana are basic affiliated effects of sadhana bhakti. Sadhana bhakti, devotional service and practice. Bhava bhakti, devotional service and ecstasy. And prema bhakti, devotional service in pure love of God. Now, Rupa Goswami uses different terminology than the Bhagavatam, doesn't he? Shivada is referred to as Subhada, right? Subhada and Kleshagni. Uprooting the miseries of material existence, Rupa uses Kleshagni to uproot the, the Kleshas. Ignorance, false ego, attachment, rejection, raga, dwesha, and fear of material existence. So it's interesting that at the very beginning of the Bhagavatam that these terms are used by Sutta Goswami starting out. And we can see this is in reference to sadhana bhakti. And these two items are those items which are dealt with at the beginning stages of the practice of bhakti. Kleshagna and Subhada. And when we talk about Kleshagna or Tapa Trayon Mulanam, uprooting miseries of material existence, what are the miseries? Adiyatmik, the body and mind, disease, lust, greed, anger, Adibaldik, other living entities, stakes, mosquitoes, 
malicious people, adidivic, the environment or nature, higher authorities, cosmic influence of the gods, heat, cold, earthquakes, storms. And these three, you know, a little bit of the symbology, when you see Durga with her three-pronged trident, those three prongs are representative of these three divisions of miseries from our body and mind, from other living entities and from the nature of the environment itself, the controllers thereof. So pushing forward to the next Anucheta, because now we know the Supreme has potencies. And here's just two simple potencies. So let's look at, let's look a little deeper at these intrinsic potencies of the Supreme Bhagavan. Well, they're not logical. That's the next place Jiva goes. They're not logical. Because what? Bhagavan is a refuge of mutually conflicting potencies. So he begins the 12th Anucheta. The internal potency, Shrup Shakti, and the external potency, Maya Shakti, are di- diametrically opposed to each other. Furthermore, though each has many functions that are opposite to their counterparts, still their support is one, Bhagavan. Daksha speaks the following verse to the Lord. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the supreme all-pervading one, endowed with unlimited transcendental qualities. His potencies keep the philosophers with their differing views in a state of continual bewilderment, sometimes agreeing and sometimes disagreeing among themselves. Indeed, their arguments remain ever inconclusive. We're going into a new subject. We're going to talk about the fact that the Lord has mutually conflicting potencies. And the first thing Jeeva is saying is, from the Bhagavatam, we can hear from Daksha, and Daksha says, it's hard to reconcile this. It's not in our experience. Jeeva is starting out by saying one of the most wonderful characteristics of Bhagavan, because now we're take, going into the characteristics, is the fact that he accommodates opposing qualities. So Daksha Maharaj refers to the Lord in the verse as Anantaguna, one who has unlimited qualities. Maya and the Sarup Shakti, they work directly opposite. Maya is meant to keep us in Durga's prison house. In relationship to what we're going to be studying, because we're here just now in the beginning of the Bhagavat Sandarbha, the various potencies, the internal energy with division, will be explained in, the, in what we're studying now, Bhagavat Sandarbha. And the external and marginal energies will be explained more fully in the Paramatma Sandarbha. So we're going to cover both of these, internal and external shaktis, potencies of the Supreme, very thoroughly in two Sandarbhas. Every potency has subdivisions. Those are referred to as ganas. And even those subdivisions within one potency 
can be at odds with each other. Within material nature, there's always a fight for supremacy. So as an example of mutually conflicting, they provided an example of a ghee lamp. Ghee is consumed by flame, but too much ghee can put out the flame. Ghee's motionless, but when you put it in a ghee lamp, it moves with the wick. Ghee doesn't move. It's not something that gets up and walks around. But in a ghee lamp, it's drawn to the flame. And as we said, in certain times, there is harmony. In certain times, there's disharmony. Part 2, Anucheta 13, Bhagavan is the refuge of mutually conflicting potencies. Now, Jiva Goswami quotes something that Dhruva Maharaj has to say. From the fourth canto, varieties of mutually conflicting energies, such as knowledge and ignorance, are constantly arising within your Brahman aspect, each in its turn. I take shelter of this Brahman, the ground of the universal creation, one infinite original consisting of bliss alone and changeless. Anapurvyat, a word from that sloka, that was just quoted, each in its turn, means that the various potencies of the Lord have superior, medium, and inferior gradations in their respective categories. Although they are nearly always in conflict with one another, they all conduct their respective affairs and exist eternally within the Lord, who is their only support. The attributes mentioned by Dhruva Maharaj apply equally to unqualified Brahman and Bhagavan. Ananda Matra, bliss alone, exists in you. Ananta, unlimited, and Avikara, without transformation. The very fact that Bhagavan, a person, is non-different from unqualified Brahman is itself self-contradictory. The very fact that Bhagavan, a person, is non-different from unqualified Brahman is itself contradictory. Another contradiction. Generally, at least in our atmosphere, whenever there is a byproduct or a change in something, the source changes. The mother gives birth to a child. She changes. A seed turns into a sprout. There's a change there. It was one thing, and now it's another. That's our experience, is it not? But everything we hear about Bhagavan, he can produce so many things, but he always remains the same. There's no change. Bhagavan can produce the whole cosmos and remain the same. Although it's it is him. What's the substance from which the cosmos came? Is it an outside imposition? Well, that's not our understanding. It's not an imposition. The absolute truth may be defined as the all-inclusive reality wherein all contradictory extremes meet and are reconciled. So we look to the absolute truth and let's go back to our core verse again. Varanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yajanam advayam. That 
absolute non-dual substance can be perceived as Brahman, Bhagavan, and Paramatma. To the Jnani Bhaktas, he appears as Brahman. And if we add the concept that that Brahman is the foundation upon which the cosmos is manifest, then we have a deeper understanding. We call that Paramatma. The deepest understanding is of Bhagavan, who has not only the capacity to manifest the material cosmos, the Advaitins, of course, would, would argue with that, the Supreme has all three of these aspects. And he, he has the ability to bestow bliss as Bhagavan. And that bliss begins with Subhada and Kleshagna. From the Bhagavad Gita, the Supreme Self is the original source of all senses. Yet he is without senses. Now we're going to have some more support for these mutually conflicting concepts and how we hear about them through the Upanishad. So first from the Gita Upanishad. The Supreme Self is the original source of all senses, yet he has no senses. He's without senses. He is unattached, although he is the maintainer of all living beings. He transcends the gunas of nature, and at the same time he is the master of the gunas of nature. So now we'll finish up with the conflicting potencies. Part 3. Here Jiva, in this Anacheda, he quotes a verse from a discussion between Maitreya and Vidura, wherein the discourse between Mother Earth in the form of a cow and King Pritu um, takes place. Mother Earth is basically apologizing because Pritu said you can't withhold the sustenance for the living entities that are under your charge. So she says, I offer my obeisances. She's saying, okay, I'm sorry. I offer my obeisances to the Supreme Person. The fountainhead of a Exalted energies existing in opposition to one another, who enacts the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of this cosmic manifestation by these energies, which are the physical elements, the senses, the gods who control the senses, intelligence, the ego, and so forth. Again, we see mutually conflicting potencies. She's trying to explain, I thought it was okay. Look at Bhagavan. Look to the Supreme. He both maintains and destroys. He creates the whole universe and he destroys the whole universe. He has both those capabilities. I had good reason for withholding because of the misuse of the living entities, of the resources of material nature. I thought it would be appropriate for their well-being to withhold. And you're criticizing me. So I'm worshiping the Lord and seeing in him these very qualities that you're finding fault with in me. So you can understand the nature of her prayers. Prithu Maharaj wins out in the end and she, under his rulership, I can give. He's going to rectify the situation that I thought I could rectify by holding back. You can understand her prayers. God creates and then he destroys the fact that both the creation and the destruction exist 
simultaneously in the Supreme Lord, Jiva says, this defies all logic. These mutually conflicting potencies defy logic. We have to go beyond logic to understand. It's like that sometimes in, in the preaching field. You could take the discourse so far with someone. I was in a recent exchange. I said, well, you have to hear from people that have knowledge and have had revelation. He says, why don't believe they exist? I have no faith that there's any saints on the face of the planet. And I said, okay, we're done here. How much further can you take a conversation? So similarly, when we hit these walls, which would be a great barrier without good guidance, we have Sabda Brahman. We have transcendent sound vibration. We can go over the hurdle of logical determinations by hearing from some transcendental sound vibration which breaks through all those barriers. Because if you think of this section here, these few little anachetas, all these conflicts have been put forth and they're basically very difficult to, to comprehend except with deep devotional understanding. So the next anachetta, Bhagavan's potencies are inconceivable. That'll be Anocheta 15. So are there any questions on what we discussed this evening? No questions? Thank you very much for your association. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.